Pastor Terrence Taylor, pastor of the New Movement Church. I'm so excited about it. And uh, we are so glad that you're here checking out our preview service today as uh, one of our pastoral staff, uh, Pastor Megan said. Uh, this is a day we have the opportunity to kind of see how things are working, to kind of put things together. And what I'm really excited about, let me just be honest before I start, my, the most thing I'm excited about is our next-gen ministry. We've got a whole team and a service for kids, and I am so excited about that. It is an answer to prayer, and it is an investment to the future, which we know our neighborhood and our kids are so important to us. And so I'm really excited about what they're doing over there. They're having lots of fun, and we're going to have some fun in here today. And so I want to talk to you about making room. Making room, uh, if you don't know what a series is, making room uh, is a series that we've been doing, basically um, kind of a back-to-back episodes of the same theme. And what we've been talking about is making room, preparing a place that feels like home. And we want this place, this church, to feel like home. We want when you walk in the door, it feels warm. We want you to to feel comfortable. But it's not just about where you are in a space. We want you to feel at home in terms of how you feel about yourself. Do you feel like you belong? And we want this place to be a place of belonging. I don't know about you, but it feels good when you feel like there's no place like home. How many remember that from, how many of you have seen that old, old movie, know where that phrase is from, there's no place like home? That is from The Wizard of Oz back in the 30s. And uh, if you remember that, that movie, uh, the little girl was lost and she went to this fantasy world and she just couldn't wait to get back to Kansas. And there's something about Kansas, not the literal Kansas, not much going on in real Kansas, but I shouldn't say that. I've been there several times. But uh, feeling, having a place that feels like home is something we all, we all want. We want to feel like we belong, right? We want to feel like we are accepted and that we are at peace. And like another TV show, y'all can tell I've watched a lot of TV as a kid, right? Sometimes you want to go where everybody knows your name. The hit show, Cheers. See, if you, it's interesting. When you think about TV shows, when you think about movies, when you think about a lot of pop culture, there's always this theme of, of connecting to people or a person, connecting to themselves and figuring out who they are as a person and finding a place that feels like home. Well, I'll tell you what. Here's one of the challenges. This is what I want to talk to you about today. Because we all want a place to feel like home. When we come to our house, I'll tell you what. When you travel, if you travel, you can't wait to get your own bed. Anybody feel like that? If you spend the night too long at somebody's house, a family member's house, you can't wait to eat your own food, right? I don't put ketchup on my fried rice. Like, I don't do that. Stuff like that. You're like, I, I need cold milk for my cereal. So there's some things like that. I don't know about you. I have some rituals when I get home. I like things to be in a certain place. Uh, so I don't lose them, right? And it's not a good place, because my wife doesn't like that place, but I pretty much put everything right in front of the doorway, so I'm literally tripping over it so I don't forget it. But there's just some things that I like about being home, being comfortable. But reality is sometimes we don't feel comfortable and we don't even feel at home and at peace with ourselves. Sometimes we don't even feel comfortable in our own home. You see what I'm pointing to? 
I'm patting on. I'm talking about your heart. I'm talking about your soul. Sometimes we feel uncomfortable. Here's why we feel uncomfortable. Because there's too many other people living there. There's that ex-boyfriend. He's there. That grandma that used to beat you for nothing. She's there. The dad that never came back. That never raised you. He's there. And there's people living in your heart. And they're all making your home uncomfortable. And so what a lot of people do. When they can't feel safe. And they can't feel comfortable in their own skin. They try to escape. Or they try to self-medicate. Or they try to find ways to forget. And stay away from home. Can I put it this way? Sometimes people's minds are always on vacation. Because when you get by yourself and you're at home and you're just with you and you, can you live with that person? Can you dwell within the person? Not the person that a lot of us put so much energy up to be. Not the Instagram person. Not the Facebook person. Not the person who we present. I'm talking about the person when it's just you and you. Can I go to De La Soul? Me, myself, and I. Right? Can you live with that? And that's what I want to talk about today. Is making a place that feels like home for you. Because here's what I do know. Here's what God wants. God wants to live and dwell with you. He wants to make room in our lives for what is important to him. Because here's what I want you to know. Sometimes there is a so there is a gap, there is a competition in your heart. Your dreams that God put inside you are competing with your fears. And there's not enough room for both. And God is saying, no, I need, to, I need to remove the fear so that I can make more room for the dream. I need to remove the pain so I can make room for the joy. I need to remove this, that, that thing that makes you uncomfortable so I can make room for the peace that you have. You've got to first be able to live and dwell with you. Let me break it down this way. For those who are single, those who are looking for that person or a person who's already in a relationship, your relationship starts with you. Right? If you don't like you, if you can't get along with you, watch this, if you can't control you, why would anybody else want to be with the you that you can't control and you don't like? Because all of our relationships start with us. It starts with how comfortable we are within our own skin. And so God's like, look, I need an opportunity to make room. I need some room in your life. I need some room there so I can reshape and reimagine and make you comfortable with you. Now, I never forget um, the first time, uh, actually, this is the second time I moved out of the house. And the first time wasn't really like a move out, but the second time was kind of that forced move out, right? That's when my parents gave me that ultimatum. It's like either you can do this or you can do that, right? She was she was doing black sheep. You can get with this, right? Which is a cur a curfew and rent, or you can get with that. And I was like, I'll get with this. I'll make it myself. So me and my cousins got the idea of having a 
possum crib. And that meant we were gonna have this big apartment and uh, we were all gonna hang out and play video games. And we're about 19 years old. We're gonna do what we wanna do, right? Pay our own bills. Anybody ever been through that, that space before? Some of y'all are like, no, I don't know what you're talking about. I'm staying at home as long as I can. So we got an apartment, and I remember the first month, we were kicking it. Oh, man, we were kicking it, man. We had the PlayStation. We had the heat on. We had everything going, right? Because that's what I did at home, right? I thought my mom was tripping. She told me, turn off the heat, turn off the light. You left the light on in here. I was like, okay. But we had the first month of that apartment, man. We were having a good time. PlayStation. Food was everywhere, right? We were having a great time. I'll never forget. About a month later, I went to the mailbox. And I got, with my name on it, my first power bill. Right? I, I didn't really think too much about it. I just got the letter. Say, oh, I got a bill. Look, look, I got a bill in my name. Right? That means this is my house. That means I live here. I live up in here. I make the decisions up in here. And I'll never forget it. I was talking stuff, and my friends were playing the PlayStation. And I opened up that power bill. Let me tell you what I first thought. I first thought it was a prank. I was like, y'all, y'all playing. Somebody's trying. Where's the camera at? Y'all, y'all trying to y'all trying to catch me off guard, right? Y'all trying to, you trying to make me laugh, okay? This, this ain't, I looked at it again. I looked at that bill and I almost had a heart attack. I immediately stormed into the room where the PlayStation was going and turned it off. I turned off the heat, I turned off the lights, I took the toilet paper out. I said, look, we got one roll for the rest of this week, okay? We're gonna, we gonna make this last, okay? Listen, I'm telling you, it was a recession up in there, okay? I was not prepared. Uh, for what was going to happen. But here's the thing. I was getting introduced to managing my own home. And that meant I had costs to worry about, right? And I had to deal with who was living in my home. Let me, let's do a little quick assessment about who's living in your home. Let's go to, there's a scripture, a couple scriptures I want to teach you real quick. The first one is in Proverbs. Here's what the Bible says about your heart. Here's what the Bible says about your home, right? Where you are living. The Bible says it this way. Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. Guard your heart about, above all else, for it determines the course of your life. Your heart is like the goal line. It's the red zone. You got to guard it. Here's another version of that text. Keep your heart with all diligence. For out of it springs the issues of life. That means this, what's happening in your heart is what's happening in your life. What's happening inside of you is where all the issues comes out of life. And so this person is telling us uh, through the spirit that we need to be careful about guarding our heart. We spend a lot of time on our bodies, right? We spend a lot of time on how we look, but the Bible is trying to help us understand it's important for us to guard our hearts. Let me tell you a little bit more about your heart. Here's another scripture found in Jeremiah. Jeremiah chapter 17. Here's what the Bible says about it. The human heart is the most deceitful of all things. Did you see that? The human heart is the most deceitful 
of all things and desperately wicked. The Bible asks this question, who really knows how bad it is? Now that sounds like bad news, doesn't it? But it's good news because we can be honest about it. I can be honest with you about myself. There are some times when I am scared about what I find in here. Sometimes when I really think about my life or I really allow myself to dwell, I find that as bad as, as hard as I try to break bad habits, as hard as I try to do the best I can, there's some stuff living in here that is affecting me. It's affecting my leadership, it's affecting my marriage, it's affecting my fatherhood. As a parent, it's affecting me professionally, as a student, and all the other things that I do. I have to be careful about what's in my heart. And what happens is the enemy will try his best to sow a seed in there and hope that it grows. It sounds like this. It sounds like a negative comment from a teacher in the third grade that makes you believe that you're an underperforming student or makes you believe that you're a troublemaker or makes you believe that you can't compete. And so that little seed gets deposited. And then what happens is all the negativity that surrounds us, it begins to grow. Most of you uh, women in the room, you understand this as a woman. You understand what it feels like in your whole life of how you've had to worry about, am I pretty enough? Do I look like this? Is this? And you compare yourself all the time. And that little seed gets planted. And if the enemy has his way, it'll grow. Our hearts are wicked. But what God wants to do is give us a new heart. He wants to uh, to grow and move into our hearts. I think there's another text I want to show. But the Bible says, but I, this is the same text, the Lord, search all hearts and examine secret motives. He says, I give all people their due reward according to what their actions deserve. Now this text can mess you up depending on how you see God. And at New Movement, I want you to know something. God is a loving God. He loves you. He cares for you. He is not a dominating, domineering, pressing, angry old God. He's not like that. I want you to see this first because it can look like it can be negative, right? Like God searches your heart and he finds out what's in there and he's going to reward you. And that would scare me, right? Depending on my view of God. But my view of God says that's good news. Because what God does is he can go deep down in there and he can search my heart and say, oh, I found that in there. You got this little seed right here that is causing problems. You didn't see it. You can't find the origin of it. It's so deep, you would have never find it. All you see is the fruit that's coming from it. I'll tell you what, I found it, I'm going to remove it. And I notice how hard you want to be successful. I know how hard you want to do this right. I know how hard you are fighting to maintain a life of integrity. And I'm going to reward you on your actions. God says, I'm going to bring resources to the dreams that you're dreaming. I'm going to bring ideas to the things that you want to do for me. I'm going to reward you 
for your actions. So if you're in the room and you're saying, I'm fighting for a new life, I want you to know that God is fighting with you. God is fighting for you. He is not giving up on you. He is waiting for you to give him the invitation to say, come on inside and see what you can do with my heart. Amen. So here's a point I want to make. First point I want to make to you, so you can take home, is that your heart is a house. Now, depending on what era you grow up in and depending on what music you listen to, when I read that, I think of two different songs. First, I think of a song from the Five Heartbeats. If you've never seen that, that film, I shouldn't have referenced it, but I'm just telling you. I thought it was a real group. And there was a song on there called Your Heart is a House of Love. Now, if you really don't get that, you never saw the movie, maybe you can think of this band called Full Force. Anybody know the band called Full Force? They had these curls. They kind of all look like Zeke Elliott from the Dallas Cowboys. And um, they had a song called Love is a House. You know that song? Okay, y'all know that song. I don't want to take you out of the spirit. But, but those songs talk about how your heart is a house. You need to know that. And you need to know that you have to give permission for people to live there. You give permission for memories to stay there. You give permission for hate to stay there, for brokenness to stay there. And what happens is when we invite God in our lives, he's saying, let's work on this together and let's give the right permission for what needs to live inside and what needs to exit. So that bitterness and that unforgiveness and that pain, guess what? When you make up your mind and say, I don't want to live like this. I want to make room for what is beautiful. You have the power within you to make that decision to say, you need to leave. And let me tell you, it's, it, it's, it's impossible for you to do it in your own strength. You can get by for a while. I'm telling you, you can do okay for a while. But something happens when you give God a chance. Something happens and something changes when the God who made you gets permission to lead you. Because that's what the Bible teaches us. When we feel like I can't manage our, my own life, I can't even lead myself, God says that's called a lack of self-control. Self-control really is the ability to lead yourself. It's the ability to say, all right, I'm, we're going to do this today and actually do it. The best thing to do is to allow God to lead your life and say, God, this is not only my house, but it's your house and I'm going to make room for you. Here's my other point. If it's in your heart, it's in you. You need to know that. If it's in your heart, it's in you. You have an opportunity to decide, do I want to live with this or do I want to give it away? That's the one thing that I love about the gospel, the good news of Jesus, is that the forgiveness that he offers is not just for me. It's for those people that need forgiveness from me. It's almost like if I owed a whole bunch of money, right? If I had a whole bunch of debts and I had to pay this out and I hit the lottery, guess what happens if I hit the lottery? If I'm smart. If I'm smart, I pay off all my bills, right? I call Sally Mae and I just have a super attitude. It's like, let me talk, let me talk to the manager right now. How much do I owe? You've been calling me $100,000. Guess what? Checks in the mail. Don't call me no more, right? You can go through all your debts and you can just write them off because you have such a large amount that you can do that. It's the same way with forgiveness. When God forgives us, what he says is, I'm giving you 
a multi-billion dollar account to now go around and forgive the debts that people have out on you. You hurt me, I'm calling you up. So you know what? You hurt, you hurt me back in the day. You remember that? Guess what? I forgive you. Hang up the phone. Oh, you, you know what? You used to mess me. You used to mess around on me. Guess what? My husband's in the background, and he told me to tell you I forgive you. So what's in your heart, it's in you. Sometimes we are stuck right now because there's something in there that doesn't belong. And we're scared to go search our heart because it doesn't feel like home. We don't, when we walk in the door, somebody else's drawers is on the floor. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm not picking those up. We got we, we to gotta make it so that I want to live in here. I want to be comfortable with me. I want to live and be vibrant with me. Here's my last point. Your heart is a great leader. You got to know that. Your heart is a great leader. And that's, even, that's either a good thing or it's a bad thing. Because a lot of us have made decisions with our heart. Sometimes we think it's our head. This is a good logical decision. No, you just want to be logical. <laughs> you just want to feel like I'm making a logical decision. No, your heart's telling you, you need to make a logical decision. And so you're making a logical decision. Sometimes you say, well, you know what? I want to choose this and I'm making you know, good, I'm informed, making a good, intelligent decision. There are decisions that you should be informed to make. But at some point, you've got to see that connection between your heart. And your heart's a great leader. And that's why it's so important to say, God, I need you to be, to lead me and to give me a heart that is going to lead me in the right direction. Because as bad as you want to do this and as bad as you want to do that, sometimes your heart will lead you in a different direction. And that's either good or bad. Some of you, God is leading and pressing your heart today to say, God, you know what? I'm going to give you a chance. I'm going to give you a chance to lead me. And some of you are even being led to say, you know what? This is where I need to be. This is where I need to be connected. This is the type of church that I need. And God is saying what your heart is telling you is a good indication of what you will do. And I can tell you firsthand, my life changed when I allow God to be in my heart. My life changed when I said, God, you lead me. And you know what he did? He didn't lead me through things that I thought would be easy. He actually made it hard. He actually took me through moments that were difficult. He took me back to my childhood. He took me back to my brokenness. And he said, Terrence, I need to show you what's in there. I need to show you. And here's what I found out. I found out that as he showed me what was in there, and I would see the moment of pain, or I would see the childhood trauma, or I would see the big, huge mistakes that I made, God would say, you made this mistake, and this got planted in your heart, but guess what? Let me take you back a few more years, because I planted this before you planted that. I put this in here before you made this mistake. I put this person in your life before you were going to make this mistake. And while you were making that mistake, I was organizing and I was planning you so that you would be able to be successful and to be able to survive what the enemy has done. And so what's in my heart is, is filthy, it's bad, but you know what? I've made the decision 
to allow Jesus to come in my heart and begin to shape me and give me a new heart. I want to leave you with this last scripture. It's found in Galatians chapter 5, verse 16. Here's, here's what the Bible says. And, and it talks about what exactly what I'm talking about right now. I think I'm going to try to read it from my Bible. Verse 16 of chapter 5. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Right? That's that leadership that God wants to do. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. That's a biblical description of your natural heart. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is the opposite of what God wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are opposite of what the sinful nature's desire. These two forces are constantly fighting for each other so that you are not free to carry out your intentions. But when you are directed by the Spirit, you are not under obligation to the law of Moses. Then you, when you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immortality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, bursts of anger, selfishness, dissension, division, enviness, drunkenness, wild parties, sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living this sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God, but the Holy Spirit, right? This Holy Spirit that God is offering you produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience. Can I get an amen from the parents right there? Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and here's my favorite, self-control, self-leadership. Against the such things, there are no law. Here's the good thing, news there. Those who belong to Christ have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to the cross and crucified them there. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Let's not become conceited or provoke one another or become jealous of one another. A couple years ago, I had this computer and I was making uh, an album. I was making a mixtape. I had a whole bunch of music on it. I was almost done. And I was so excited about it. I was in college, so I could only spend a little bit of time on it. And I'll never forget, this was before my Mac, by the way. I'm just going to put that out there. And so um, <laughs> I started using the Mac. So I, I was noticing it was acting funny. And uh, I was like, man, what is wrong with this computer? And then, um, then I noticed I was getting all these errors. I was like, man, what is wrong? And I was getting really nervous, right? Because I had this big project on there. And so I took it in, and the guy was like, hey, your hard drive has failed. I was like, what does that mean? Like, I don't know what that means. Does that mean I need to replace it? It's like, yeah, but unfortunately, you're going to lose all your files. I said, come on, man, don't, don't tell me that. You know, a little tear just building, don't tell me that, man. Yeah, you're going to lose everything. And I was so disappointed. But you know what happened? I lost all of the things that I thought I needed. And I had to have a complete new hard drive. But what I didn't realize is that when I got a new hard drive, I didn't have any more viruses. And the album was not in the computer. It was in here. It was in here. And I learned something that day. I learned that sometimes God says, 
I need to renew this hard drive. And when I clean you out, you may lose some stuff, but I guarantee you that virus will never come back again. That problem will never return, and you'll be able to start from scratch. This is what we're about at New Movement. God wants to make wants you to make room in your life for what's important to you. Let me pray for you this morning, this afternoon. Father, I thank you so much for today's message. Lord, for you want to be in our hearts. And I pray today for anyone who's desiring or has already made that decision that they want to give you an invitation to help lead their lives. We're so grateful that the scripture says that our sinful desires and our pain and those things that we have done were nailed to the cross of Jesus. And that Jesus' victory over the cross, it erased our wicked hard drives and gave us a new start. I pray for a new start, for a new beginning in every person's life in this church today. And Lord, we celebrate your invitation for newness of life. This is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, can we just celebrate those who maybe made a decision today to give God a new start and a new heart. God bless you.